0: Good afternoon, Savannah. It's your girl, Shree Darian, with another episode of Courageous Conversations with Shree. Hope you're having a terrific Thursday. I am delighted to be back in the studio today. It is absolutely gorgeous outside. And today, obviously, I brought you another fantastic guest who is waiting patiently. To share with you today, but before I jump into that, let me remind you you're listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with Global Soul. I want to also remind you that the viewpoints expressed in the following program are not necessarily those of WRUU, its license holder, or its staff. And like I said, here on Courageous Conversations with Cherie, you know how we do it. Naked, unashamed, and unapologetic. We share our truth, one of liberty, to liberate you to stand in your own truth. So before we end the show, we're going to extend an opportunity. In fact, we're going to invite you right now to pick up the baton and stand in your own truth. Again, naked, unashamed, and unapologetic. So without further ado, I have another author Here with me on the line today, and her name is Tori Vaught. She is the author, speaker, and transformational coach that you need in your life. She is also the founder of Bold Breakthrough, and I'm going to share a little bit about her right now, and then we're going to have her uh, introduce herself or just say hello before we jump into today's courageous conversation. Tori Tyson Vaught. MBA, an award winning and transformational author and speaker and visionary is the founder of again Bold Breakthrough Incorporated. Her book You Got This Exclamation Point Letters to My Younger Self debuted on Amazon on july twenty sixth of this year twenty nineteen and even while in pre-order status. It quickly rose to number one best-selling in the new release category. This book is a collection of reflections that challenge, empower, and inspire readers to identify the factors in life that they can control to experience the life of their dreams starting today. Her next book, You don't have to stay there, exclamation point. Six Lessons from a Trauma Survivor is scheduled to be released in 2020. Tori blends her experiences as both a corporate trailblazer and a woman who rose from a trauma filled childhood and young adulthood to become a serial entrepreneur, chairwoman, mentor, an advisor with a message of hope and practical tools that empower her audiences to transform challenges into championship. In the corporate world, Tori has led international teams in transforming software, accounting, banking, transportation, retail, and healthcare industries through technology innovation. Not bad for a girl who left home at the age of 17 with just a dream, a prayer, and a high school diploma. What she learned along the way brings value to her clients and her audiences, bringing them tools to immediately activate progress across their own professional and personal lives. Without further ado, hello, Tori. Congratulations, and thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Cherie. Thank you so
1: much for having me, and thank you um, for your listeners today for taking the time out to tune in.
0: Well, we're delighted. This is uh, step two, or I, I guess should say take two for us, Tori, because we were supposed to be on the air uh, a few weeks ago and had some hiccups Um more of the same hiccups today. So I'm not exactly sure what's going on with that. But I made sure I had a plan B in place, so that we can make this thing happen. But you know what, I believe in divine, divine, divine timing. So I hope you're ready to serve this audience today, those here in Savannah, and obviously the surrounding areas and those that are joining us online, with um, all that you have extracted from your own journey, the good, the bad, the ugly and the indifferent. I'm sure it's a combination of all four. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely. And life is good.
0: Amen. I love that first comment, Tori. Um, life is good. You. Know, I wonder sometimes with social media and the facade, the images, the snapshots, the sound bites that we see of people's lives, um, how many people can truly, honestly, authentically say, what you just said life is good so why don't you let us get a little bit behind the veil if you will how is life so uh, amazing for you today
1: sure so it's amazing for me because I choose to see it that way and I think that is one of the things that has helped me to be successful in life and despite some very very difficult circumstances to be able to 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 continue to break through challenges and to be extremely successful. And I mean, not just average, but, you know, surpassing and overachieving and, and achieving things that the statistics and and that people would say so unlikely. Right. And it's, I had a a boss that I always remember and loved dearly. And he was a marketing guy, but he actually had an engineering background. And he said, always start, with the end in mind, all right? And so, you know, no matter what, like I got up this morning, I actually had a call with my physician and come to find out I have an upper respiratory infection. So I wasn't feeling that good, but I had the opportunity. I knew today that we were going to be talking and I'm like, I have to be right to talk to Savannah and I have some other things on my calendar for today and this coming weekend that I'm already seeing being successful, being effective. And so no matter what, what my body said this morning or how I felt, I knew what I wanted to accomplish. And so, and that's, you know, it's a choice and that is one of the principles that I include in my book is the power to change through the power that we have right now. You know, there are external factors that we cannot control like the weather, like the news Somewhat like social media, you know, we can tell whatever story we want on social media or we can be on the receiving end and we can choose to receive what we see there. Okay, we also have great factors that we can control, and that's our goals and our thoughts. Those are two of the things. So that is how I can say life is good. And I, I hope that everyone can step back and just take a look around and then look within themselves and say, you know what, today is good. Uh, Life is good. I'm going to make it a great day.
0: I love that. Um, You're absolutely right. It's a matter of perspective. But to borrow from what you've just said, it all comes down to choice. And our choice is motivated out of our intentions. So the actions that we choose to do what we choose to do with our thoughts, because I believe thoughts become things or uh, as a man think so is he. So you're absolutely right. It comes down to a choice, but it's also for me a recovering workaholic perfectionist that person trying to attempt to be. None of us are obviously but I have had to learn how to rest, to listen to my body enough to say, okay, yeah, I may have a calendar full of things to do, but I'm going to choose to be kind to myself and to rest. So um, in the midst of, I, I appreciate you honoring this invitation today, uh, but you'd make sure you promise that you will rest too, because your body needs that as well. I promise. (laughs) Good job. But I love the fact that um, you're seeing through your own eyes that life is good. And at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. It has to be grounded or I shouldn't. I mean, I shouldn't say it has to be. We should choose to be or it is definitely a choice to have. uh, At least I do try to be example of choosing to have a spirit of gratitude uh, versus murmuring and complaining. So I love it. I'm gonna have to borrow. You're gonna see this again. Life is good.
1: It is, and uh, it's, these are stories that we we tell ourselves, and they can be other stories. They can be, you know, I'm ugly, I'm fat, everything I touch, you know, fails. I never win. And I hear people saying this, or you can say the opposite. Today is a good day. I'm healthy. I'm well life is good. The the title of my book,
0: you got this.
1: And I definitely
0: want to deep dive into that. (laughs) Oh, MG. I've been waiting, waiting to hear that, but I wanted to, to really unpack something else that you said. um, When you first began talking, you were just talking about what I heard behind the words that you actually spoke was you're really proud of yourself. And for the people that are out there, um, just pretty much putting their own obstacles before them with their words. I want you to help us so we can change our language. And I'm just going to put myself in there because um, you're not exempt. There are times in which I can say healthier words out of my own mouth towards myself. Um, But I want you to help us because what I discern when you were speaking was that you're very proud of yourself, be it accomplishments, be it attitude, be it affirmations, be the way you choose to think and show up in the world, honoring your um, commitment, whatever that looks like. How did you get there?
1: Sure. So it wasn't easy. Uh, You know, I was born into trauma. My mother was a practicing alcoholic, even while carrying me uh, and I believe my two brothers and um, our father died when I was five years old. So there was not, you know, this really Ozzie and Harriet, this Huxtable type growing up. Rather, we were told over and over again that we were not wanted. We were in the way. And so, um, you know, being proud of myself was something really You know, back and forth when I was growing up in school, teachers made me feel like, hey, you should be very proud of yourself. But in my adult life, I struggled with it. And it probably wasn't until, you know, my 30s or 40s that, you know, I really stopped caring what other people said and really started looking and, like, you know what? you did all right. Um, even along the way, you know, different milestones, different goals that I had set in my life. And, you know, they may not have always come how I envisioned. For example, uh, I did start college right out of high school, but I ended up getting pregnant and I got married cause I got pregnant, had a baby and then found myself taking care of a six month old baby and myself at age 20. Um, so it took me, I think I, I finally finished my bachelor's degree. Um, when I was 31. So it took me a total of 13 years. But when my three kids, you know, saw me walk across that stage at Temple University in Philadelphia, and my middle child, my five-year-old daughter ran up there. I mean, all the deans and faculty and students were just amazed because they didn't know I had kids. And as one of my professors said, uh, when he wrote a reference letter for me for graduate school, you know, I never knew that Tori, even was a mother she just came in and did what she had to do she was never late on assignment she didn't ever ask for any you know additional time and to now know that she you know had was juggling you know being a mother not only a single mother in school is just uh phenomenal so I was very proud at that moment I was proud to make my community academia um Russell Conwell, one of the fathers of Temple University, I was proud to make my family proud. And, uh, you know, yeah, I am proud of myself sometimes. And, you know, I deal with anxiety. I deal with depression. I deal with PTSD from a series of traumas starting in my childhood. And for some of us and for some of you, I'm going to tell you, you should be very proud to even be able to get up in the morning to wash your face, to look at yourself for some of us, that is a great feat. And even for that, for just being here today, for just showing up, you should be proud. So celebrate the small wins. Celebrate the small victories. And sometimes, you know, we are very hard on ourselves and we think, you know, I I, I can't, you know, I'm not really going to be worthy or I'm really not going to, you know, have anything to Celebrate until I, you know, complete this. I, you know, get this job or get this certification or get this house or get this car or do this thing. And, baby, let me tell you, sometimes just getting up in this world every day mm-hmm. is an accomplishment. <laughs> you should be very proud of, okay?
0: You're absolutely right. Oh, my God, it is. And I don't think we need to downplay that. That is so key. Tell us about your book, You Got This, Letters to Your Younger Self. How did you, why did you write that particular book with that particular title?
1: Sure. So, uh, like, I've read and I've heard that a lot of, like I say, necessity is the mother of invention. People that have, you know, created things, invented things. It's always come from a place of need, a very uncomfortable place. And usually an epic, life-changing event has occurred that spawned this. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, it is true uh, for me as well. I knew 30, 40 years ago that I should be writing. I was told by my teachers in high school that I could write professionally. But, one, I had no idea how to make that happen because not only am I a first generation college graduate, I am also a first generation high school graduate so just you know the how to get to that I was just no had no idea right and um so and then I also realized as I kept writings from high school and I continued to write uh it really forced me to go to some very painful places in my emotions and in my life and the new life that I was creating in my adulthood was just very beautiful not saying I didn't have my challenges and things didn't happen but it was looked very different from my childhood, which was very painful, and so I ran from that. Like I would write things and I fold them up or lock, and I didn't want to go to that place. So I was like Jonah. I've been like Jonah all my life. You know, I you know raised my kids while building a career. You know, doing a lot of you know, civic and volunteer work and making a good life for myself, but in the process, of that I was like Jonah, and I've been I've been running from my calling of writing these books. So about a year and a half ago, I uh, finally, you know, got to what I call my dream job, working for an international company and leading a global program. And at that time, I think my youngest, I was technically an empty nester because my youngest had gone off to college, but you know, with All of what my younger self would say, girl, you got it made, you know, all of the things that, you know, I said I was going to do in life. I had checked off so many of those boxes, you know, I'm living in a loft downtown in a major city and, you know, kids are raised and I've done all of these things, but I just found myself in a place I was so blue and I could not figure out what is going on. Why just, I just don't feel like You know what's this all about is it even worth it and um so battling anxiety and depression and then um father's day last year june 17th of 2018 uh, i got a call that my best friend um had died suddenly at the age of 46. she left four daughters behind the youngest was 12 Mm -hmm. and i was heartbroken now she lived in philadelphia where i had lived for many years Uh, But we stayed very good friends. And it's the kind of friend, like, I don't have any biological sisters, but you know how people say your main ones? Yes. Okay, so the kind where, you know, if that phone rings and you see that
0: number, it's like, do do I need to catch a flight or go to the Western Union? Right, correct. vice versa. And Mm -hmm. it didn't matter if we didn't
1: talk for days, weeks, months, or years. Correct. She She had my back and I had hers. And it's one of those, you know, once-in-a-lifetime yeah, friends. Yeah. And so as I shared with you, you know, I have suffered abandonment or experienced that even at a young age with my father tragically passing when I was five years old. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like this had been a recurring theme in my life. And so that was the probably with the straw that broke the camel's back when Leslie died. I mean, I was... I was no good. Uh, I was out of town, and I had to get somebody to drive me back to Atlanta. I was just done. And I just didn't understand. I mean, I had just seen her in February. Mm -hmm. She had come to Atlanta for the Bonner Brothers show. She was a beautician, and uh, she was actually an immigrant. I call her an immigrant from Puerto Rico. Uh, I learned not long after I met her in our early 20s that she had come here from Puerto Rico with her mother and four sisters and they were migrant workers she did not speak English and they picked blueberries in New Jersey and I just was always so fascinated with her because by the time I met her she was a bank teller she had gotten an associate's degree at the community college she had two daughters and her English was great but uh, you know i would seen her throughout the years build business uh, I call her one of the innovators and pioneers of hair replacement weaves and alopecia she was doing back in the 90s when they didn't even call it a weave and she was giving new life to women with hair loss issues but again it caught us all by surprise she was just here in february for the bonner brothers show she had come to my home she showed my oldest daughter who's a master cosmetologist some techniques and we had plans for when she was going to be coming back to the next Bonner Brothers show here in August. And uh, I'm like, you know, all I, I was just petrified. So four days later, I got laid off from my dream job. I was caught up in a reduction in force with some about 10% of my coworkers. And so at that point, my life had drastically changed in a matter of days. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I, I was so caught in the throes of of depression that I could even literally open my resume to work on a resume to look for another job And I had never, I've been through a lot of things in my life, but I seem to always be able to rebound quickly or to be able to, you know, uh, throw up some coping mechanisms and compartmentalize and keep it moving. But this this time, these two back-to-back things, I was just devastated. And I started to ask God, you know, why am I even here? Like, what's this all about? Does it even matter? Does it even matter the two years, the blood, sweat and tears I put in this company, um, you know, nights and weekends and, you know, sometimes I would even take out of my own pocket and fund things for this job if we could get budgetary approval. And just like that, you know, I was just a number thrown away and, you um, and I really started to ask God, you know, what's what's it all about? What's the purpose? I, and I just didn't even want to be here anymore. And the only thing I could think about is how hurt my children would be, my three children, if I had made that choice. And, you know, I started, it made me think of, you know, young african American males who there seems to be a rash of suicides and also people like Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain people who were at the top of their careers I mean at the apex of life and and I wonder you know what is going on to make them feel so hopeless like they don't want to be here Mm -hmm. and I call it a very fortunate opportunity that God allowed me to be in that place for just a little while because until then I never could understand what it feels like even with all of the hard things that I've been through, you know, a very dysfunctional childhood and very unstable and I, you know, I have survived, you know, domestic violence and, you know, being laid off four times in 10 years and I just didn't understand until I went through it what it felt like and I just thought okay God well I have to do something else because like they say if you keep doing the same thing and expect Mm -hmm. different results that's insanity so I'm like if I if I want to feel different I'm going to have to do something different so thankfully my logical mind was still somewhat operating and I said okay well you know this is let's look at chemistry and let's look at math so it means we have to change there's a variable that's different there's an element that's different here so what's different about when i was younger in life when i had so many odds against me and less resources and i was so happy even though it took me three weeks out of a month paycheck to just pay my rent what am i doing different i always had joy back then but what what am i doing different i realized that i had got very disconnected spiritually and it was because of my choices and my habits and my behaviors, you know, um, God never walks away from us. I realized that I had walked away from him and it gotten very egotistical. And so I just really started leaning in and started talking and asking and praying. And it wasn't like I felt this, you know, prodigal son, welcome back. It, It wasn't that I kind of heard God's quiet voice said you know I've always been with you I've always taken care of you I've always protected you you walked away from me I didn't walk away from you so I'm gonna need to see some consistency here right
0: mm-hmm. so I just
1: every day every day would like read this little journal with um I think it's called Jesus Calling mm-hmm. and, I, have that um, you know, and I, I started you know just praying and just not even saying so much you know, trying to listen and I'm like well I started journaling again and then you know through all this with the passing of my best friend and my job, another clear message I got was, you know, what else do I have to take from you to get you to do what I've been telling you to do for the past 20, 30 years, which is write books and lately talk with people. Um, over the last maybe five, 10 years, I noticed that I started having people from all walks of life who would come to me on a job and business or call me up and just ask for my advice about different things, and I'm like, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a lawyer, I didn't go to school for any of that, but it just kept occurring over and over, Um, and uh, for example, one woman that I worked with several years ago, hadn't talked to her in quite some time, and she called me crying and said her husband was in the intensive care unit, and asked me if I would pray with her there, I remember I was in the grocery store, and, and so I did, and I just was like, I never in my job or profession talk about religion or God or anything like that like I'm not the church or Bible lady and I make sure to steer very clear of sensitive topics like politics and religion you know in the workplace so I'm like what is it about me that made her pick up the phone of everyone else in her contact list and call me and ask me to do this so same kind of thing started happening over and over again and God is like you know this is what I'm calling you to do is you know is You've been through a lot. And so it wasn't just because, to, you know, to show how much to push human limits. And, and I realized that God is a, is a a loving God. He is not malicious and he's not some master of a divine comedy up there pulling puppet strings and torturing people. But, you know, I realized that he allowed me to go through those things, not for me, but for others. And so, you know, I, again, all I could think of was my three adult children And my two grandkids, and I'm like, nothing else, God, I don't want you to take anything else, so okay, I'm like Jonah, I showed up, I'm I'm tired of running, God. I'm going to do what you told me to do. And so I ask, I'm like, okay, well, what what book do I start writing? I already have manuscripts that have been sitting around up to 30 years. Where do I start? And he's telling me, you know, what does the world need most? Look around you. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? And and I'm seeing people hurting and in pain from all walks of life, Um, people that are feeling hopeless, you know, whether they're in dire straits or whether, you know, they seem to have it going on or be at, you know, at the, the, the prime of their life, um, people are these days seem to be needing hope. And I said, Okay, well, God, what can I give? Write the book. So I started writing this book um, called You Don't Have to Stay There: Six Lessons from a Trauma Survivor. Um, but I realized that it was going to take at least a good six months to a year to go to market. And I'm telling you, I got up every day, Sheree, with this sense of urgency. I'm like, you know, my fingers are tingling and, like, something is going to happen. You know what I mean? Right. And and I didn't know if I had two weeks to live, two months, a year. Like, my friend, she, nobody expected her to pass. She did not expect to pass. She was a beautician. She had clients on her book for the following week. So Mm -hmm. she did not intend to pass, and I just you know, felt the sense of urgency. So I'm like, okay, God, I don't know how much time I have, but what is it that I can go to market and I can leave people with now if I only have two weeks to live? And he said, just start writing some letters to your younger self. What would you tell people? What would you tell your younger self now that you look back? And so that's how we got this. You got this letters to my younger self. So I, I, you know, got the title afterward. I just started writing these letters. And as I wrote the letters, I mean that the wellspring, the tears started to flow. Mm -hmm. And it was a great release for me. But I I sat there kind of in my mental mirror and looked at my 15, 16, 17-year-old self and realized that everything that she had then was everything that I needed to be successful throughout my life and even now you know, the, the skills, the talents, like to write, to communicate with people, to listen to people, um, to solve problems. She had them then. And so that's what I feel, um, that I was called to let people know whether you're 15, 16, 17, you know, or whether you're 35 or 60 and you're second guessing yourself. You have everything you need already to be successful. You don't need to have necessarily rich parents. It doesn't ma- matter if you are an ugly duckling or the prom king or queen. You have everything inside of you now to be successful. And, you know, my hope for the book is that.
0: Okay, know, hold was- hold that. Hold that right there. Hold that thought. Now, every week I have to play this game of double dutch. <laughs> okay. And you are just going and I've been standing on the side. I know excuse me, our audience is like, when is she going to jump in? When is she going to jump in? But you were just rolling. So I'm going to let you pause right there. We're going to come right back where you're leaving off. Okay. So hold that thought, Tori. We're going to come right back to that. And you have downloaded a lot. And I want to unpack it because I really, really want to serve our audience through uh, some of the nuggets that you've dropped uh, in that first half hour. And we're actually at the half hour mark. I don't know if everyone realized that. So we're going to take a quick break. I want to remind you, you're listening to WRUU LP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. And we'll be back in just a moment. This portion of W-R-U-U-L-P Savannah Soundings Programming is brought to you by listeners and by the Savannah Jazz Festival, which brings jazz and blues to Forsyth Park and other locations around Savannah from September 22nd to the 28th. The Savannah Jazz Festival is presented by the Coastal Jazz Association with investment from the city of Savannah. Evening concerts followed by nightly jam sessions bring artists such as Dolette McDonald, The Huntertones. Big Sam's Funky Nation, Vanessa Rubin, and Annette Cohen to Savannah. For more information, go to SavannahJazzFest.com. Tonight on WRUU, tune in at 7 for Here It Is Tomorrow, exploring the edges of almost popular music. At 8, Crucial Rhythms brings you Reggae and Dance Hall. At 9, Rigor Mortis features Rockabilly, Psychabilly, and Swing. At 10, Route 66 highlights American rock. At 11, philosophy, humor, and surrealism mix in the personality of the syndicated and late Joe Frank. And at midnight, Brother Bruce offers three hours of free jazz, psychedelia, and improv. Our latest schedule is always at WRUU.org. Thanks for listening. How many times have you heard WRUU's corporate underwriting message? If you remember it, then your potential customers will remember your message as well. We are offering this space to connect corporate and institutional partners with our loyal and active listeners. Underwriting on WRUU is short, so listeners don't tune out. It's exclusive, so your message won't be lost in advertising clutter. And it supports Savannah's only community radio station. For a marketing package to increase your reach beyond traditional media, email underwriting at wruu.org. And we're back. You're listening to another episode of Courageous Conversations with Sheree. I'm your girl, Sheree, and on the line we have today, Tori Vault. She is the author of You Got This, Letters to My Younger Self. And Tori, you we just sharing with us uh, when you were writing these letters and you were released. It's like the floodgates opened and you downloaded, um, I think, effortlessly, if I can insert that word. But you also was stating that we have everything that we will ever need to be or do anything. Intelligence, gifts, talent, our heart, compassion, empathy. Would you agree? I agree. So why don't you share a little bit more uh, um, to that fact of, I'm, I'm interested in the particular audience that your book was written to. I think at the time you had three children yourself and you said it made you take a look in the mirror at the woman in the mirror and say, what impact would my choice make on my children like how much of an impact and how would that devastate them or hurt them and so it made you reexamine um uh, the choice we were, we actually started this episode about choosing and so i want you to go back there and tell us about the letters themselves without giving it away of course um sure. but what what a tell give us an idea of something that you would say or some of our audience members should say to their younger selves
1: so you are the answer to someone's prayer so as much as you think that you may be useless there's no place for you where do i fit in i don't really fit in you know it is true you are a Creation and there is no one quite like you, and you're right, you don't fit in with everyone, you are not for everyone, and everyone is not for you. Um, I uh, some people experience a lot of rejection, maybe from family members, relationships, maybe you know, in school, um, you know, they might be uh, you know, living in a community that you know, people don't look like them. Um, they may be, you know, a nerd or a geek and everyone around them is like athletic or a jock, but that is a beautiful thing to be who you are. And as soon as you embrace that and really love that, that is when your world is going to change, right? Until then, a lot of times we feel and we absorb and internalize us not fitting in with everyone as rejection but always know that you are the answer to someone's prayer
0: that's really good someone asked me just a couple of days ago was i born excuse me in the i feel like i'm getting hoarse if i was born in the city um that I still reside and, and I've never moved. I've always, well, I've moved once, but I don't really call it a move because it was like a couple of months and I came back. But long story short, they asked me, um, was I from the area? And my answer, of course, is yes. And um, I was curious. I was a bit intrigued by the question. And the reason I was asked the question, um, because this person had a, a point of view, if you will, of the culture in which I live, which is not reflective of how I think or my mindset. And um, I was just thrown, I want to say thrown off, but I was um, curious that this individual asked me because like you, Tori, I've worked in um, corporate as well. My uh, industry was banking. And in that, I was always asked by clients and customers was I from the area? And and I often answer that question by saying that my mental zip code changed a long time ago, although my physical zip code remained the same. Uh-huh. So it's a matter of mindset. And we can think, again, going back to thoughts, we have to choose that because things, uh, our thoughts can become things. So I chose to you know, elevate the own my own vibration, the vibration of my mind, and not to psych myself up, but I had to create a whole new reality. And we all have the gift of the ability to create every single day we get up.
1: True, true. That's why, um, you know, and you may not be a creative person, that may not be the job that you do every day, you may work in a warehouse or drive a truck, but we all have some sort of creativity, even like a child, just daydreaming, right? Um, writing, reading, I mean, you know, you read a book and you can go anywhere and everywhere, you can go all over the world and places beyond, and I completely agree with you that, you know, what we, the thoughts that we think, things become things, and I didn't really understand, although I did start to learn about, um, how can you say, I think quantum physics and Mm -hmm. like the law of attraction about 15 years ago, I wasn't sure how it worked, but I started testing it out and realized it does work now. I got away from it for a while, but even in my whole, you know, getting back to my wholeness again, you know, I'm becoming a lot more sensitive to it. And even like you mentioned, social media, being very careful on the thoughts and the messages that I allow to enter into my being through my eyes and through my ears through my skin and through my energy like protecting your energy because what you think about does become things I remember times when I was worrying and I ushered in things like a car accident or like I feel something bad happening but when I I notice when I purposefully and intentionally think certain things and not to force it, but you know, when I hear negative thoughts come in and I just change that channel, you know, and I, I say, I am, I am. And I, I view and imagine in my mind how I want my life to look. It comes to pass. And I realized the more that I do it, the more sensitive I become to it. Because at first I thought it was kind of like an experiment. But our thoughts, are powerful, we are creators. Mm-hmm. And so everything that we see in the physical, it started with a thought. Like the phone that we're on now. There was a time that, you know, I'd have to come to Savannah in the studio right. to be able to have this conversation. Even the airwaves that you're transmitting on, those were thoughts it didn't just appear that tech, it, it was a thought in someone's mind and then it became a reality mm-hmm.
0: that's right and so
1: each one of us are little da vincis little einsteins
0: yeah that's so good so tell us what um who would benefit from reading your books and why
1: so I definitely have a heart for youth especially youth um that you know come from really bad family environments children that have um uh, possibly been in foster care or group homes detention centers um you know my brother and I were kind of in and out of foster care growing up because of my mother's illness and you know we we were very needy of family support we needed someone to tell us that you got this and we believe in you um You know, I I love all people. I love youth, but I think that there is a forgotten part of the population, which can be very huge, of people who really um, don't have a stable, loving home environment. Sometimes they have both parents at home, but there may be some, you know, issues going on with, you know, abuse, neglect, um, absenteeism, and not to point fingers or blame anyone because life is what it is. You know, we show up and we do the best we can. But my heart is for um, youth, particularly those who come from challenged environments, because sometimes we'll look at our neighbor, another student, you know, whose family dotes over them, and, you know, they make sure they have a car, at least their license, or they've got, you know, nice new shoes, or, you know, they go to get their hair done every two weeks. And, you know, be the type of student or young adult – you know, doesn't even have clean clothes in the morning or no one makes sure you brush your teeth when you go to school or you may not have lunch or ice cream money and I want to reach back and tell those people that you are just as loved and just as valuable and amazing and you can make your life whatever you choose
0: that is so good there's a, a quote that I'm thinking of that I really want to read I'm, no, I'm looking for it but I haven't seen it just yet Hopefully I'll find it before we get off the air and I'll share it. But what type of response have you been receiving from your readers? I've been
1: extremely humbled. Um, I really thought that it would be really, you know, women my age, you know, kind of middle age, who would be the most receptive. But I actually have had a lot of men, even young men and teenage males who have benefited from the book. I was able to talk to one young man through like an Instagram message and he had just like tried to jump out of a glass window from a high rise in New York City and he asked me if I would talk with him and he was really struggling with some boundary issues. He felt like, you know, he was there for people, he looked out for people, but these same people didn't have his back and I told him one simple thing. I said, you know, Givers have to set boundaries because takers never do. And that changed his life. Say that again. I said, givers have to set boundaries because takers never do. Ooh,
0: that's good.
1: Okay. And just a matter of self care. And it's okay to have boundaries. Sometimes we think, you know, we get this guilt trip from people around us like okay well you got this and you got that you should be doing for me or we assume that everyone lives according to the biblical do unto others as you would have them do unto you and you figure okay I'm gonna be this and do this kind of I'll be this kind of friend and be there and they'll do the same but you know it doesn't always work that way not everyone else has that mindset so self-care healthy selfishness is very important and also setting boundaries um you, you're you're worth having boundaries it's okay um you are entitled to have boundaries and it is healthy and it's not it's not too selfish matter of fact it's it's healthy um a lot of us didn't learn boundaries at, in our upbringing or even in our You know in our lives and sometimes we get resentful and we feel like our needs are not being met well sometimes it's because we have not clarified them or we have not said listen this is what i will do and this is what i'm not going to do this is what i will allow and this is what i will not allow okay but having those conversations with yourself about how you want to show up in the world how you will be treated your standards is really important because we have to teach people how to treat us so that's one of the things um another is about being confident in yourself and it's confident and cockiness egotism are are different things Mm -hmm. i'm talking about a humble confidence knowing that you are a human being you are a valuable human being you are a life and a person who is homeless on the street or maybe they're a cashier, they are just as valuable and important as, say, a Mother Teresa or a rap star. You know, just because someone has certain material things, it doesn't mean that they're a more valuable human being than, than the other. And I think that is one of the dangers that people are facing now, especially youth. You know, they see all of this on social media. Everybody's got a bag. Mm-hmm. You know, what? You're not making seven figures a month at age of 22. You're not popping a bottle. What's wrong with you? And those are complete falsehoods. Number one, that's not the reality. Because most of those things are not owned. They're rented or leased. And for the few of the population who do not have that kind of wealth, that age, they're not showing off to everyone. They're living very conservative lives. You'd never know it. Correct. And so... And even if they do have those things, they're not any more valuable than a person who has nothing but the breath they breathe, okay? So be confident. You are a special person. You are valuable, and your life has meaning. It has worth. And again, you know, you are the answer to someone's prayer, and I I'm, and I mean that, and not just in a personal relationship, but it could be on a job, in a business. Um, it could be just in a situation there's someone further in your life that is praying for a person just like you to show up to solve their problem.
0: That's good. So I heard self-care and I heard confidence. Um, And you're teaching these two young adults.
1: Right. And, And surprisingly, some of the other people who benefited from my book are, you know, I mean, people in their 30s, I've had people in their 60s, one woman called and said, somebody gave me your book, they gifted me a copy of your book from one of your book signings, and I have to tell you, she's like, I'm 65 years old, and after reading your book, it helped me to resolve issues that I have been wrestling with my whole life. Now, she didn't say just address, she said resolve, and I was just very humbled, um, because This book was divinely inspired. I mean, I just asked God, please just give me the words. And I just started writing, you know, like a vessel as He, and I didn't sit down and say, okay, I'm going to write X, Y, and Z. Right. I just like, okay, give me the words. And so for it to have this type of an impact, this much of an impact on people, um, I know that it was the right thing to do to heed that calling. And I'm so very grateful and thankful that it has um, helped people and it makes this kind of impact, you know, and helps people to not only be motivated, but and inspired, but also to transform to make change toward uh, betterment or, or or growing into the life that they choose.
0: And life has been a theme today, Tori. And so I'm going to ask you a question. And I did find the uh, quote that I was looking for. And so I'm going to share that in just a moment, but I'm going to ask you this question because life keeps appearing uh, through the conversation today. So what is your definition of life? Because you were sharing a few minutes ago about how everybody, every human being is a valuable human being. The fact that they have breath in their lungs, that they have life that is, um, certainly important. And so what is our ultimate reality when it comes to life from your point of view?
1: Okay, So I'll, i liken it to um, an image that I got from a book called Sacred Contracts by Carolyn Mice. And she reads a poem by Robert Frost. And it talks about how we are all sitting on the edge of eternity, begging for a chance to come into this life. All right. Mm-hmm. And so it helped me think about it from the perspective of someone who's been through a lot of traumatic events what if what if I chose you know every person in my life both allies and foes Mm -hmm. to help me learn the lessons that I need to learn in this life some people who believe in reincarnation Mm -hmm. say that we're here to learn a lesson Mm -hmm. and if we don't learn it in this lifetime we come back again and again in different ways until we learn it so for me I think I believe that life some people say um breathe, breathing is life, it's just an experience, it's not a thing, but also we're in a a a transformative journey right to learn and to help others learn.
0: oh wow, that's beautifully put uh and I'm going to look up that book. It's interesting that you mentioned that but I've been just reading, um, actually listening to the audio book, Seat of the Soul by Gary um, Zukov, And he talks a lot about uh, how we choose this lifestyle. I love what you said, friend or foe, all of it, so that, again, our soul can evolve. And so um, we are down to the last, say, eight minutes in today's show. This has been so good. I I feel like I've been a bit quiet today, which means you've been filling my cup. This has been good, but it's an opportunity now for me to pour into your cup. And so I just want to speak this particular quote over you because I think it's reflective of who you are, your soul, your gift and representative of the journey and your choice Um, Your ability to choose to take all of it and create something beautiful and not just create it, but to pay it forward. And you've done so by the release of your book. You got this um, letters to your younger self and your upcoming book. And so if you would allow me to love on you a minute, it's by Marion Williamson. And I could not remember that for the life of me, but it just says our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that frightens, most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened by about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. And so I just want to honor you, Tori, for being the light that you are and extending it to light other people around you wherever they are. And that, I believe, is why that coworker out of all the people chose to pick up the phone and call you because many times we don't see our own light but those that need it they see it and so I just love you and honor you and thank you for sharing with us today and that's why that particular quote kept coming up because it's who you are it represents all of your journey Um, if I can be that presumptuous and say so that's how I see it so I was asked by uh, one of my mentors from Sydney, Australia, to ask, it was like a test that he gave me, a homework assignment, to ask people, various random people, um, what has been my impact on their humanity, just my being Sheree. And in this first time you and I have really connected and had a conversation, that is the impact you've made on me. So that I know is the impact you're making on all of Savannah and beyond. So thank you, my darling, for being the light of Tori.
1: Thank you so much, Cherie. And I thank so much to um, the listeners of Courageous Conversations. Uh, just know that you got this. You got this, okay? If no one else has ever told you, if you are ever second-guessing yourself, just repeat those words. I got this. You got this. Cool. And I believe in you.
0: Awesome. And that's appreciated. What's next for someone who reads your book and what's next for you?
1: Sure. So um, you can connect with me on social media. I have a website and it's boldbreakthrough.com with a U B O L D B R E A K T H R U. So you can sign up for my newsletter, promise not to abuse or spam. You just let, you know, um, some interesting information and and thoughts um, and special events that you may benefit from. I have a book signing scheduled in Dallas, Texas this Saturday with the Authors and Business Tour with my mentor, Desiree Lee, Authors and Business Nation. Um, My next book is coming out in the spring of 2020, and it's called You Don't Have to Stay There: Six Lessons from a Trauma Survivor. So um, I'm growing my social media family every day, so you are welcome to connect with me on Instagram. i bold, breakthrough with you, B-O-L-D-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R. You would love to hear from you and see what's going on in your world. Um, and then my handle on Facebook is at Tori, T-O-R-I inspires you. Tori inspires you on Facebook. So um, we are... I'm also uh, translating the current, my current book, You Got This, Letters to My Younger Self, in Spanish. So I'm um, looking to have that done by the end of this year. And again, my next book is coming out um, in the spring of 2020. But um, my books are available on Amazon.com. They're on BarnesandNoble.com or through my website, breakthrough.com.
0: Well, certainly you've shown us that you got this and we are most definitely proud of you as well any last words we got like three minutes left in the show
1: sure so uh, you know just be good to yourself know that you're never alone and know that it is okay to get professional help okay it doesn't make you crazy it doesn't make you weak Um, if you have insurance you know call your health insurance if you don't have insurance and you need to talk to someone you know there's local health departments if you experience any type of grief or loss like through death or divorce a lot of times the funeral homes now are offering free grief support groups and you just never know just give it a try okay
0: that's really good well darling it's been a delight having you on today's show Um, I'm looking forward to getting a copy of the book myself so that I can certainly speak more about that in the future and um, wow I know you guys are going to Dallas have a great time there I know you will Uh, another shout out to Desiree Lee for this opportunity and introducing us but uh, many blessings to you Tori I hope you start feeling better much uh, sooner rather than later but certainly before your trip and you've promised to take a break and get some rest so that you can go out and continue to let that light shine so God bless you daughter uh, it's been a blessing speaking to you and we shall hopefully talk again in the near future thanks so much Sheree. my pleasure and that's another episode of Courageous Conversations with Cherie I want to remind you that the viewpoints expressed in the preceding program not necessarily those of WRUU its license holder or its staff with that being said We shall be talking to you again on next week, right here, WRUU, LP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with Global Soul. Take care, Savannah.